We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yep, that tournament, you know it. Make sure to head to betonline.ag and open up an account today to get in their $100,000 bracket madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be a hardcore fan to get into the action and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and the XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is for betting, betonline.ag is the place to be for all of your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. Street, 
What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 409. Scott's back from his travels to parts unknown on the West Coast. And guess what happened, Scott? More injuries, believe it or not. Same shit, different day with these Yankees. What's up? Yeah, this one's a bad one. This is one of the ones that we were, you know, unfortunately speculating about because usually when there's forearm sadness, I'll call it sadness. sadness. That's what it is. It's just straight sadness. Then usually the sadness goes up the arm. And uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunately what it was with Severino, man. And this is just another big blow. One, I feel bad for the dude. Two, it's just, it's such a crushing blow to what the Yankees projected to be in their rotation. Um, because now you're looking at Seve as a number two slash three guy, you know, theoretically coming back injury, healthy, good to go. And then no, 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 you don't have him now. Um, thank God we got Garrett Cole. That's all. <laughs> thank God we got Garrett Cole. Well, I want to take a minute to apologize to the listeners because I did something that I shouldn't have done last on last Monday's episode. And that was be positive <laughs> about this whole thing. I need to know my role on this show and be the negative person and try and keep everything at a reality, like keep everything in a reality check. And I did not do that. I let myself be positive and hopeful that this was just going to be a slight delay to his spring training and we were still going to get a pretty healthy season out of Severino. And I apologize for that. Maybe I misled some listeners. Maybe other people got their hopes up too. But I think maybe we were just in denial because anytime you have a guy flying back north with forearm soreness to go get more tests because the other tests didn't figure what the test should have figured out. Like, how many time, times are the Yankees going to miss tests? We're going to talk about that with Stanton, too. Look, there's, We knew what was happening. The writing was on the wall. There's tones. And while you were positive, I didn't believe you. <laughs> it's not like... There's, that's because you know me. The thing is, is when, 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 you have, when you're this early in the season, because we're not even in the season yet, when you're this early in spring and something like this happens... Spring is eternal. You want to be positive because that's just you're like trying to start in that in that way. And when it when they hit you from the beginning, that's rough, oh, man. Yeah. That's rough. Well, just like Paxton's injury dates back to last September, apparently this soreness in Severino's forearm dates back to last October. So are we gonna count this in the 2019 injuries? Are we still on 2019 injuries? Have we got past those yet, or are we still feeling the effects of those? The unfortunate part is that now these 2019 injuries, which we had thought we had left behind us are now showing up in the 2020 box score. So now they now they are there. Like 2020 Three of them. 2019 is now in 2020 and that's a problem because those Three injuries were bad. Yeah. Yes, Severino, Paxton and Hicks. And who knows, maybe Stanton never really actually fully recovered. I mean, I, I mean, do we even know what he was recovering from? So the the thing everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything from head to toe, he had a little He almost got hit Google. by a car in the TMZ report. Like th- there was a lot of things that could have happened. Who knows what happened after the cameras stopped? But the the fact that these injuries are now um, again a significant problem because that's what they are. They're a significant problem already. Um it's just it's it's <laughs> it's a gut punch. Look, it's a gut punch to to the plan, right? But at the same time, the nice thing about this is here's and here's what I'll love and here's where I'll hang my positive hat. My positive hat is going on these kids and the depth that the Yankees have because I do think they have very good depth uh, as far as guys that are potentially ready to take that next step in the major leagues. I don't know how many teams have this many guys that you know. I'd say I feel relatively. I don't. I don't like the words comfortable, but. Uh, optimistic or excited for to see them pitch like the Davy Garcia's the Montgomery, obviously, um, you know, Michael King, like these, these guys are ready. It seems like so much hype 
about uh, Clark Schmidt. Like, there's a lot of positive reports from the scouts and from everybody else about all these other guys that are going to be competing for four and five now. Yeah. Um, so that's where, so the, that's where the, I am. Well, the concern comes in where instead of maybe getting a nice contribution from one or two of those guys as, as gravy in the season, you might have to heavily rely on them. And that is a, a way different story when you're sure. talking about heavily relying on them for double-digit starts in a season. Sure, absolutely. No, it's a concern. But at least that depth is there, and it's not just one or two guys. There's a number of guys that are going to yeah. be there. And then we also get a pitcher back in June, maybe, if he, you know, who knows what what, what that guy's doing uh, down in the Dominican Republic at this point. But um, Two guys are coming back in June, hopefully, Paxton and Well, Paxton, Herman. yeah. The, uh, I'm talking about Herman, though, as far as like a, an add-on to, to what we're expecting for the season. Like that guy has a, is is, the, is a potential difference maker in a rotation um, coming back. Yeah. So, you know, do we need double digit starts from all of these from a lot of these guys? Maybe not. You know, I mean, granted, there's going to be other things that happen uh, as the season occurs. But um, again, I just feel I feel good with those with those guys as good as you could feel, I guess. I want to ask you a question first. I want to just do a couple housekeeping items. So the spring training trip is two weeks away. It man, did it come up fast on us? Yeah. And March fourteenth is Saturday. And we are going to the game with 200 people pretty much coming to the game. We have an event going on. If you're coming to the game, awesome. Cannot wait to see you there. We've gotten a couple emails about tickets and t-shirts. So here's the process if you have not come to one of our events before. We don't actually receive the tickets until the week of. They're all digital tickets. You will receive your ticket digitally transferred the week of the event. So don't worry. You're going to get your ticket. We have never left a man on the outside of a stadium before. Everyone gets their ass inside the stadium when you come to a Bronx Pinstripes event. And the t-shirt delivery and all that stuff, why don't you give a quick update on there? Because I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> yeah, t-shirts are going to be delivered uh, into Tampa. So we're actually going to um, give everybody their t-shirts at the game themselves. Uh, so when you come in and you go up to the to the club area, we will be there with a table or whatnot. And we'll check people in with, a, with, a, um, with their t-shirt, the sizes that you gave as you signed up. And yeah, that's when you'll get your t-shirts. The, the one thing, we've had a couple people, there's been a, a couple emails that I've had that people, their plane have changed or something happened and they couldn't do it. So there's a few tickets that are potentially uh, opened up. So if you are still looking for tickets for this game, you might get lucky. Shoot us an email to events at bronxpinstripes.com. Uh, and if we have one or two that are filling in here, um, we'll we'll let you know. But might as well take a shot at it and, and shoot an email so that we know you're there and uh, get you on that on that backup list. And if you're not able to come to the event, but you're going to be in Tampa, come meet us at the Yard of Ale in Soho. It's a bar. We're going to be doing an after party there from 4 to 7 p.m. The address is 406 South Howard Ave in Tampa. It's sponsored by Sailor Jerry. There's going to be a ton of awesome drink specials there. We're going to have things going on in the parking lot. We're going to have a lot of activities going on. It's going to be one hell of a day that I'm, I'm trying. I, I'm like, I'm going to have to pace myself because we're going to be at like 12 hours of drinking on Saturday. My flight, my flight is at like 6.10 on Sunday morning. Yeah, classic. Scott will leave his duffel bag behind or, or, or something that he needs. Yeah, his, his car keys. Yeah, you don't need your car keys when you get to the airport. That's true. I, I'll, I'll get to there. I'll get to where my car is. Son of a bitch. Um, so definitely come check out the after party at Yard of Ale in Soho in Tampa. Quickly, the regular season events tickets are on sale in the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop Saturday, May 9th against the Red Sox. Saturday, June 13th, we're going to Trenton to the uh, AA uh, Trenton Thunder game. It's going to be an awesome event there. Friday, June 26th against the Cubs. Saturday, August 22nd against the Blue Jays. Go get your tickets. 
It's going to be fun. All right. The question I wanted to ask you. As a fan, when we went through the number of injuries last year and we're already dealing with these injuries this year, what is an appropriate reaction? Because having a guy go down with injury, it's a different thing than like, oh, a guy's makes an error in the field that costs you a game or Boone makes a wrong pitching decision that costs him a game or someone strikes out in a key situation that loses you a game. Like that you can focus your anger on player X did not come through in certain situation. This is just like you're mad, but also what do you do? You don't do anything. Just like as a fan, you can't do anything, period, ever. You you can you can show your disappointment. You can show your anger. You can spout off. You can do what you want. Here's the thing. When you're talking about injuries, and I know we all try to speculate on what happened, why it happened in the events, in the uh, you know the occurrence that it did, as far as MRIs and 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 you know physicals and dye injections, and we're all playing doctor. We're all playing the fact that there's only one doctor here, but everybody wants to play doctor. So what that does is it gets you in trouble, and it gets your expectations out of whack, and it gets your head all crazy and and looned up, and it's just too goddamn early for that. I'm telling you, you can do it all you want. I know where your head is, but as a, as a fan listening and, and just watching these guys, you got to start on a positive note because we are zero and zero. There is no record yet. And I know these guys are going down and it sucks. But what I think the appropriate response is, and I'm not here to tell anybody how to feel or act, but it's, it's for me, it's just a disappointment. You know, it's just like I wanted to watch Seve pitch all year long. I wanted to see what Seve was going to do with a full season working right next to um, Garrett Cole. Because I think Garrett Cole is one of those guys that makes everybody else around him level up. And to see the guys that have an, or an enormous amount of talent on our team with Paxton and Seve and you know some of these young guys coming up as well, like that's exciting because now you're, you're, you're standing next to the guy who's literally, you know, if not the best pitcher in Major League Baseball, one of two best pitchers in Major League Baseball. How does that affect you with the talent that you have? That's what I wanted to watch. So that's where the disappointment lies. Ryan and I did a, did an emergency reaction episode last Wednesday after the news came out. That's the most recent episode on the feed. Go check it out. So you, you guys can you guys already know my my thoughts on this, but we're on the same page as the thing that's most annoying or hurts the most is we're robbed now of seeing what we thought was going to be an awesome two headed rotation monster. Not to mention Paxton and Tanaka behind them potentially going into a playoff series with four quality starters you actually have confidence in. Not, oh, maybe he gets through five innings. Maybe he can keep them in the game. When are they going to have to bring the bullpen in? No, these are guys you count on and rely on. That's what we were going to hopefully have. And now we're already taken away of the top, one of the top two. Severino was going to be 1B. Because Severino has... We saw in 2017 and 2018, Severino was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. It's so, going to be so long till we see him again. Oh my two God. years. It's two, it's two years. Like 2019, 12 innings in the regular season plus two postseason starts. He's out all of 2020. And with the way Tommy John surgery goes and timetables, like a mid-2021 return for Severino – is probably realistic, but also remember, you don't come back and just automatically start going seven, eight innings. You got to ramp back up. You got to go into it easy. So we're probably in reality not going to see full Severino again until 2022. Yeah, maybe it's 
Well, and also he's going to have a shorter season, so you know you don't know how that's going to affect the guy. But um, yeah, not a for a full season. No, you're right. I mean, maybe, maybe there's so many things that could happen from now until then. Um, and, and I'm not going to go down the road of, you know, see, this is where all like the projections and like looking towards the end of the year at this point get you you specifically, I think, in trouble in your own mind, and then people in general. is like looking too much at what we have currently and then what that would mean for exactly what's going to look like in our pitching rotation in um, in the playoffs. Because I don't think it's going to look like that. How do we oh, know that? A million things change between now and October. I get that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Jordan Montgomery might be a guy that steps up and be like a, a, a very reliable guy that can anchor, you know, a, a third start in a, a yeah. playoff series. That Would that be out of the question? No, I don't think no, I don't think not. I don't think it'll any. Any of that stuff is out of the question, especially with him. We've seen quality starts with him. Now he's throwing harder too. This is great. So, um, yeah, look, it's just it's just one of those things. What now? It's you know we we were we had our expectations in line, and I've talked about this a thousand times on the show. Expectations drive your emotional behavior. If you are in a, at a point where you think something's mm-hmm. going to happen, and then it doesn't happen, man, does that does that hurt the way you feel about said thing? But if you're if you're just like you know. Let's see what happens. We're going to go into the season and maybe we'll be good. Maybe we won't be. And then all of a sudden those guys are like, are doing well and exceeding that. You're like, hell yeah, we're going to I'll run through a brick wall. So, you know, I think it's uh, it, it depends on where you started and, and that's how you feel. But if anybody is looking at this situation and not fully just disappointed to not see that guy pitch for an entire year, then I, I don't know. I don't know where their heads were in the first place. Cause the, to me, that's the easy, the easy answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did have the Tommy John surgery on Thursday in New York City, and they also removed an existing bone chip in his right elbow during the procedure. And on the last episode, I discussed with Ryan, like, hey, why did they do? Why didn't they do the dye MRI originally, or maybe after the first MRI that didn't catch anything, even though he's still feeling soreness? We got an update. I saw this on Twitter that uh, normal MRIs are ninety-two to ninety-three percent effective they catch whatever it is i I love i love the source just keep going i saw this on twitter no no no. one of the beat reporters tweeted it but i just couldn't remember (laughs) i didn't copy who tweeted it i i just copied the tweet and i don't remember what it was it was was. somebody that you you believed (laughs) yeah it was one it was a blue check mark um but die contrast mris are about 99 percent efficient effective whatever but the negative part is there's obviously a dye injection, which can inflame the joints. So that's usually why they're not the go-to MRIs. They're sort of a last resort thing. Um, that's, I guess, unlucky, right? That it didn't catch it in the 90, you know, say normal MRIs are 92 to 93% effective. They did two MRIs in the offseason on Severino. Both of them did not catch it. So whatever was bothering him falls in that 7 or 8% both times. Is that, is that just unlucky? Is that incompetence? Is that doctors not looking at the, like, I don't know. We'll ne- we're never going to I mean, know. I certainly don't think it's incompetence because obviously there's, there's a, uh, you know, there's a level of variation for, for these things. We're seeing it. There's, there's, you know, 8% says it could go a different way or not see it or not pick it up. Um, so no, I mean, it's not like they're not looking for those things. Of course they're looking for those things. And, you know, for whatever reason, the dye is just much more effective where you can see smaller areas, I'm sure. And if it's a small tear, you know, a la the the the, the type that um, Tanaka had and decided to just rehab it and wait and let the let time kind of take its course and it's worked out for him. You know, it could be the mechanics of the of the pitcher. It could be the um, the decision of the pitcher too. Like Severino, I think from from reading his tweets, says you know we made the decision to move forward, like to the best thing for my career. 
Maybe he says, I don't want to move forward with the surgery. We're going to let it repair and see what happens. That could have been on the table, you know, that we don't, that we don't know about. And, and that was just what he's like, you know what? I just signed an extension guys. I'm going to get mm-hmm. the surgery. But, um, well, Tanaka was under contract, making a lot more money than Severino's making, yeah. and he didn't do the surgery. Yeah, true. he was making twenty five million a year. I was more joking about that circumstance, but the uh, the you know, so at that point, oh, that might have played a factor. But, but you're looking at the two guys. If he's going, if he's just entering arbitration, maybe he tries to fight through it because he wants to get paid. But he he already has forty million dollars, sure. so forty million dollars he could never pitch again in his life and earn forty million dollars. And him and his family and his family's family will be just fine. Right, as long as they don't do anything stupid with that money, yes. The the thing is, is though, he's a different style pitcher as well. I mean, like, there's a lot more of a violent arm action yes. when you're talking about Severino than you are Tanaka. So, you know, there could have been a lot Everybody's of Everybody's different. Yeah, there's a lot of things going into play. But. but I just look at the history of these MRIs that aren't caught, um, whether it's Severino's Tommy John that they didn't catch it, whatever was wrong with him, or, or Hicks, too, where they didn't catch it last year and then he needs Tommy John surgery. Stanton with the um, with the calf muscle and all these different things, Judge and his shoulder, which we're going to talk about in a second. Like, is this? This seems like the Yankees are unlucky with tests, and their tests don't find whatever it is until it's five, four months down the line. And, and okay, now the timeline's delayed. Like, that's also part of the thing that angers me. Is that yeah, injuries happen. I get injuries happen. It does seem like the Yankees are getting a lot of injuries, but it's never. It's always an injury, but. It's been going on for three or four months, and we could have had this taken care of a while ago, but now we're delayed, so everything is pushed down the timeline. And the Yankees over the past three years have had six players had Tommy John surgery, three of which are position players, which I feel like is pretty rare. Oh, that's rare. Yeah, well, maybe we're going to start seeing it more often. Maybe that's one of those trends that we start seeing uh, more often. But some of them are fluky. I mean, it's some fluky injuries that that happened, I think, with uh, with those guys. But, um, yeah, you know. I- the Glaber was fluky because that was on a slide. Right. But um, I think any of those are because they're not throwing it all the time. You know, it's not like they're throwing like a pitcher where you're getting that that repetition on the arm at at such a high level of impact. It's a different it's a different level of impact. Didi's happened literally on a throw. Uh, No, I know that. But I'm saying it's still fluky. I think when a position player does it because of the repetition of the times that they're throwing at at, um, you know, that. But you know what? Think about it. Position player doesn't do. Maybe they ice their arm, but they don't take the same amount of precaution that a, a pitcher throws. They don't have the same amount of torque, but it's still... The stress on the arm is not close. But it's 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 constant and it's daily. Right. But again, I think... I, You're a shortstop. You're... How many... For you to get a tear about, in your elbow, to, a tear in your, no, I know in your that. elbow, it's got to be... The, the strain has to be so great that that uh, repetition after repetition after repetition, it weakens, it weakens, it weakens, and then it goes. You know, I think that... When you're throwing at that high torque, and you know Didi throws the ball hard, there could have been the the way that his arm was twisting because it was a weird throw too, right? That was that like short throw. It was from a the relay. Outfield. It was a relay from left field in, to Fenway Park. Yeah. So he 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 retrieved a I believe he retrieved a carom off of the Green Monster. Yes. So yeah, and it was a it was like a weird positioning. So he probably had uh, a little bit more emphasis on the throw. You know, there's a lot of weird things that happen there. So I think fluky things like that can happen with position players. And yes, there is a lot of um, uh, a stress on it from repetition, but it's a different stress because it's not the same, you know, trying to throw 100 miles an hour max effort every time. Are you surprised that quarterbacks don't have Tommy John surgery more often? Um, a little bit. I, I don't know if they do or not, like in high school, and I don't know what the injury history is there, but you don't hear about it often, right? 
You don't hear about it. I mean, I know the ball is much different. Maybe that plays into a factor. The ball is heavier. I don't think the torque. Bigger. I don't think the torque is the same. It's a different. Like think about how a, a baseball just yeah. just the just the rotation mechanically mm-hmm. is so different. So no, I don't. I, think yeah, it is. There. But they're constantly throwing. Yeah. And yes, it is. Um, it's a little bit more protected. It's like I feel like your mm-hmm. elbow is a lot more protected on yeah. a football throw than it is a baseball. Unless yeah, you're unless you're think, a guy like Mahomes who throws at like at weird all different arm angles, angles like and those stuff. guys will probably at some point we'll start mm-hmm. seeing Tommy John. Yeah, and you know six players over the last three years to get Tommy John surgery. Is maybe it's just unlucky. Maybe it's something that the Yankees are not doing correctly. Who the hell knows? I'm just tired of it. You're tired of it. All fans are tired of it. Uh, I want to. So the most recent George's Box episode, uh, Nick and JJ said something that kind of surprised me. They were not devastated by this Sevi news. They would have. They said they would have been more devastated if it was Tanaka having the surgery. So if they were losing Tanaka for the 2020 season, to them would mean more than losing Severino for the 2020 season. And I just don't understand that. And I, their reason is because well, Sevi sucks in the playoffs anyway, so who cares? But Severino is a much better pitcher than Tanaka. So yeah, I just don't get if that. If you talk about the, their reasoning based on like the uh, the such. Of a small, small sample, sample of Tanaka having, oh, excuse me, Severino admittedly having bad starts in the playoffs and Tanaka, yes, having good starts in the playoffs. I get it, but Severino having bad starts in the playoffs now also with forearm soreness because that's attached to his last one. Yeah, his last one, right. But also who knows where the, where the uh, Astros having their nipples buzzed every time he's throwing a slider. Right. Like who knows? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's, it's true. The, uh, no, I, I would much prefer you know, playoff Tanaka and all that. Yes. I, if, 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 if there was like a, uh, if I had to make a choice, like someone has a gun to my head, like this guy's got to go, this guy's going to stay. Severino's staying every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, go look, just go look at his performance in 2017 and 2018. He was a top 10 pitcher in major league baseball. Tanaka was not. I know he pitched at certain games, especially in the playoffs, like a top 10 pitcher, but consistently he was not. And, I think Tanaka realistically is a five, maybe six inning pitcher, you know, over the course of the season, right? So let's call it six innings, but Severino and Cole have the ability to be seven plus inning guys every time out. And I think the effects that that could have had on the bullpen over the course of the season would have so much benefited them for a deep playoff run. Yeah. I think they're Ottavino was burnt out last year in the playoffs. We saw guys, Chad Green had to pitch so many times against the Astros in that, in that six games that they, they got used to him. Like, what? No, you're shaking your head now. Because no. the Astros didn't get used to him. They knew the, fuck, they knew the goddamn pitch. What? Okay, fine. But what if, what if he just had to pitch so, so free? These guys had to pitch so much during the regular season. What if they were a little burnt out in the playoffs? I mean, I think everybody's burnt Maybe out Maybe that in the could have been avoided if you have two starters that can go deep into game consistently throughout a season. It depends on what the philosophy is for the New York Yankees as well, because a lot of that was based on how they operate and how they approach the starting rotation slash bullpen. Because of the pitchers that they have. But you, if you have Garrett Cole and Luis Severino, you go let your horses out there. Yeah. You keep your horses out there. I want to see how I want to see how Tanaka, I know he's another year older as well, but he's also in a contract year. Like he's in a guy that has things to play for right now because he's got, he's got maybe one more contract in him, right? And who knows where it's going to be. He has one more contract. Right, I'm saying one more. Like is there maybe two, depending on the contract itself. Oh, okay. That's my point. The, um... 
but he's going to be playing for something. Not that I think that he that 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 matters on what his performance is because I think he's a consummate pro. I don't think that really affects him as much. But that being said, he may be saying, well, you know, my approach is going to be a little bit different in the sense that I can get deeper in games because I have the ability to do it. Because I certainly think he's got the ability to be a six, seven inning guy. I still think that's in him. Um, I think a lot of it was the approach. And we'll see what happens. We'll see the Garrett Cole effect because I think, I really believe that that's, that's, that's going to be a factor. I, I do. Like, I, I think that he may, he's a difference maker, not just for him, but other people. I know it's I know it's Yankees pitching philosophy to get your pitcher out sooner than later, but and there may be a new philosophy now too. We have a new guy at the helm, so we'll see what happens with that. Well, I just think you you should have a different philosophy with Cole. Oh, for sure. I mean, Cole's a different animal. Severino may not have been that guy though. They still may have been tentative with Severino even. Maybe easing him in, but if he was healthy, I mean, I think he could have worked his way up because he's done that before. Sure. So has Tanaka. Tanaka's done that before too. Um, we have some mailbags about how to fill Severino's spot that we're going to get to in a, in a, in a little bit. So I want to move on to Stanton, who's probably not going to be ready for opening day. He has a grade one right calf strain. <laughs> he felt this at the end of his workout on Tuesday, and then he went to have an MRI. So since 2019, Stanton has missed time with a strain left biceps, strain left shoulder, strain left calf, strain right PCL, strain right quad, and now a strained right calf. And that right quad caused him to take himself out of the ALCS lineup. So this is a guy who we see bench pressing Instagram models on on social media. Sledgehammers on uh, on tires. Sledgehammering tires, pushing pushing like carts up 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 hills with hundreds of pounds on it to show how much how strong he is, how much of a bodybuilder he is. Yeah, he looks like he's chiseled out of stone, and then his muscles just disintegrate anytime he tries to do a simple workout. Anytime he's, he tries to do an activity that has to do with his profession, yeah. things, bad things happen. You know, if he's if he were to be an Instagram model or if he were to be a, uh, you know, just like a, a guy that swings a hammer on video, he'd be great. He'd be phenomenal. Um, but yeah, no, apparently when he swings bats and like takes fly balls and, you know, does the things that he needs to do to get to, to earn that paycheck. Has to, go, has to run first to third. Like, nope, calf's going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, like, it's it's frustrating watching this guy. Um with these, with these little tweaky injuries that, that are, are now going to be affecting him for however long. And, and it affects his preparation. It'll affect everything, you know, leading up to, um, to the day one. And Boone says he's up against, up, up against it for opening day. So like no chance, zero chance. Yeah. There's, there's no way they're going to like push that to get there. And obviously, um, you know, why would you, because theoretically you want the guy for as long as possible. So why would you rush him back from a calf strain? Joel Sherman had an interesting article. Rolling my eyes. Uh, Sherman had an interesting article about uh, what he called the Shohei Otani sliding door moment when Otani chose the Angels over the Yankees uh, after the 2017 season. The Yankees then moved to Stanton and to bring his 200 plus million dollars for 10 years on on the books. Um, so what does that mean from Joel Sherman? I don't understand it. Otani's been that hurt ha- too. That, no, 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 that had Otani chose the Yankees, Stanton would not be on the Yankees. I don't agree with that. I think I think that the Yankees saw they would not have because no Otani was going to be a DH. They literally wouldn't fit on the roster. Nonsense. I think that what (laughs) I think that what happened was um, they saw the opportunity, knowing what was coming. I still think the the Stanton 
signing was a direct result of what was coming the next year with Machado and Harper. And and I think that they were going to go after one of those guys. But when they saw Stanton at a similar contract, similar time frames, but probably like a, better, a little better of a bargain, and they didn't have to compete for him, I think that's what was the decision. I think the decision was based on those three guys. I don't think Otani was in the decision. Could we see Jeter actually winning this deal? No. I mean, yeah, you you would have to look I mean, at it at a pure money standpoint because that's no, but, but that was okay, one of Stanton, the reasons you're saying winning the deal. Like, if you're saying that, you know, if that money opened up, it, there's just too many layers to that because it no, wasn't but, a clear cut thing. No, but to think of it like so, Stanton had played a full season in 2018, even though he played through injuries, and we gave him credit for that. So he played through injuries in 2018 and was just completely a non-factor in 2019 and already on the shelf to start 2020. What if this is just Stanton? Every year he's going to miss miss because of calf injuries and little bicep strains and forearm soreness and like, oh, my neck hurts. I slept on it wrong. And like, oh, I tripped going up the stairs. Like all these little things that are going to compound. I think we could have a scenario where Derek Jeter is just sitting sitting back with his feet up laughing like, ha-ha, I'm not paying this guy $30 million a year. You guys are. All right, you want to hear something that you're not going to like? In 2019, this player played 162 games, 676 plate appearances, 22 home runs, 86 RBIs, struck out 111 times, batted 270 on base percentage of 300, not great. Uh, slugging percentage three four uh, 436, OPS 736. Uh, Is that Castro? Starlin Castro. Had, no, I mean, what do you mean I'm not going to like that? Yeah, better numbers than than, than, uh, than Stan Well, did. he played games. Yeah, so, you're yeah. right. So if you want to go on the, the players on the field and the numbers on the field, take those two seasons from Starlin Castro and take the two seasons from, uh, from Stan, and you actually might have a leg up with Starlin Castro numbers. Possibly. So uh, Starlin Castro obviously was a free agent this offseason, and he signed like a really low one-year deal with the Nationals. He's 29 years old, and I believe to this point in his career, only Pete Rose had more hits than Starlin Castro to this point in his career. And I just think about how the game and the way that GMs evaluate players has changed. Because imagine if Castro was a free agent, say, in 1999 yeah. with – all those hits at 29 years old, he'd get a hundred and thirty, hundred fifty million dollar contract from some team. Well, and just, now he's signing. But look at his most recent year too. He had a pretty good year. I mean, it wasn't no, I know, but now he's. Year. But now GMs evaluate him, and they're like, he's an average defender, and he doesn't get on base a lot. He's not a player we want to sign to more than a a prove me one year contract. It's it's really something how you think about how the evaluation of the game has changed in 20 years. It's it's a complete 180. Yeah, the, they definitely put an emphasis on different things. There's no doubt about it. Um, and yeah, he signed, I think it was like a one-year $12 million contract, something like that. It was almost like a proof deal at 29 years old. The guy's been in the league for 10 years. Uh, came in when he was 19 with the Cubs. Feels was it so even $12 million? I don't even know if it was. I thought it was $12 million. That was off the top of my head. But the um, the fact that he is is like essentially just like taking a random contract now. 12, 12. Yeah. yeah. Taking a random contract on a on a you know, it's a uh, on a good team. Like that's, I think that's going to be a good signing for him. But he just. But in 1999, he would have in 99 he would have signed a seven year contract for 140 million dollars. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty crazy. But yeah, so, no, the sta- so the, there's a lot of money involved there that the Jeter's doing stuff with, and who knows? In two to three years, you might see 
like in a massive amount of very young talent that's that's close to competing, if not on the on the roster already, and we could see we could be looking at this very differently. So you agree with me that we could? It's impossible to say five that though, years because the Yankees, the, road, say. the Yankees wouldn't have taken that money and put it into prospects either. They would have done something else with it. So I, that's why I, don't, I think it's very difficult. No, 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 you're you're misconstruing what I'm saying. When you just evaluate the deal itself, yeah. what did the Yankees get out of the deal? What did the Marlins get out of the deal? At first, we were like, "Oh my God! Like this is not even close." The Yankees are gonna Stanton's the reigning MVP. He's gonna hit a he's gonna hit 400 home runs over the next 10 years. Like that's what we were thinking. But it all it all came down to why the deal was made. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yes, there was, if you look at the talent level, of course, the Yankees got the talent level, but the Marlins just needed the money off the books so that they could do more things with their minor league players. Yeah, that's it. But sometimes that, sometimes that won't be worth it. But in this case, it could not only be worth it, but the Yankees couldn't even get what they thought they were getting out of the deal, which is a player, which is a guy to play. <laughs> just play. Yeah. Go out there and play, Stanton. You're not doing that. It's frustrating. I, I'm I'm not going to be shocked if we see a situation where Stanton is almost ready to come back and then he has another setback and he's almost ready to come back and he has another injury. He comes back for a week and a half and then he goes back on the aisle. Like that's what happened last year. Talk, Who's to say it's not going to happen again? Talking about expectations, he's doing a good job in limiting expectations for every fan. On so the you planet. just want to set the bar like everyone's trying to set the bar low. Yeah, just I think so. That's the, that's the name. Bar low over. That's over the name of the game. Promise that, over deliver. That's why Greg Bird was an epic failure in New York. <laughs> He set that bar way too high in spring. So Stanton's obviously concerning, but now I'm starting to get worried about Judge. I was not worried about Judge until the updates from the last couple of days where Judge has gone through some testing to get to the bottom of things. So far, the tests have been inconclusive. Shocking that the tests have been inconclusive and more tests are scheduled for Monday. There is no update on a timetable time when he's going to get it into his first spring training game. Boone still believes he can get ready for opening day, though. I put the odds at Aaron Judge playing opening day at this point at 50-50. Yeah, I mean, I feel differently from when I did a few days ago. Listening to that Morakovic, uh update yesterday during the game, just saying that they're going to be looking at the testing and, you know, we don't know. It's a lot more wishy-washy than it was before. Whereas before it seemed like, oh, he's just resting, just like making it better by resting. We're good. Just a few more days and he'll be he'll be going. Um, and taking wet swings and not dry swings or whatever the swings he's taking now in the bottom. Do you know what's you know what's ironic? Dry swings can be taken in a pool, which are obviously going to be wet. But then wet swings are taken on dry land. Who's taking swings in a pool? You haven't seen that? No. Yeah. They take a, when guys are rehabbing, they take swings in a pool. They swing a bat in a pool. Yeah, I mean, like up to their like they'll be up to their waist in a pool. Oh, okay, up to the waist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the um. Uh, yeah, it's this is not this is one of those things, man. It's just like the it's the right peck though. Like that's the problem. He he's feeling discomfort in right in his right peck. Um, yeah, so that's is that a shoulder or is that a no? Peck it's your, strain? is that a peck muscle strain? It's a peck muscle. It's a it's a yeah. It's like think about when you swing right peck. That's there's a lot of torque in that. A lot of torque. I mean, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like he hurt his peck muscle bench pressing. It could be it could be a, a strain when you're swinging. I mean, like there's literally a ton of torque. Like if you just stretch your arm back, and you can feel how your pe your pectoral muscle oh, yeah. stretches back so much. And when do you want to you want to do some dry swings for the people right now? Yeah, Here, I'm doing step I'm back. Doing, you're you're standing up. Do you give give the people some dry swings? The, um, I wish I had a pool so I could do some wet swings or dry swings in dry, a pool. Those would be yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Like the just just hearing hearing the wishy-washy. Well, we're gonna have a scary. pool at, at the spring training house. We can all demonstrate dry swings that are wet in a pool at spring training. Done. I'll bring a bat. We need a wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah. Bat. Uh, no, yeah, it's worrisome for sure. Like we need to see more progress from him. I just want him to be okay. That's all. Is that okay? Is that is that too much to ask? Like, don't take Judge, please. I know, and we all, I all, we all know where this is going, right? Judge not ready for opening day. Stanton not ready for opening day. Gardner starts in left field. Talkman in center. Clint Frazier in right with Miguel Andujar as the fourth outfielder. Look, I still, <laughs> I still think that heading. this is what's happening with the uh, with the reporting on Judge. I, I do think they're being a little bit guarded in what they're saying about him. And, and the fact that they're saying more tests, there's no timetable. That's a very easy way to not say anything. And that's basically what's happening. They're not saying anything. What we're hearing is like, Oh, inconclusive, inconclusive, but they very well may have a plan behind the scenes and more testing is just very open-ended and whatever. And we're going to see what happens. No timetable because we're just not going to give you guys what you want and what what you know what we say don't give us. So now we're we're crushing them for for uh, for them being a little bit resistant to give us a you know an exact number of days that he's going to be back. So look, I, I I'm not I'm not really there yet. Is it a little bit more disconcerting? Yes, because it's still happening. Like I think you want to see progress. You want to see something that's like you know him doing things. And I think that's the most. Um, the most obvious thing to say that a guy is, is ramping up and getting ready is you see the activity and we're just not seeing that. And we're 25 days away from opening day. That's why I say it's 50, 50. He's, if he's going to be ready, because that's not a ton of time. If they're still doing tests, that means he's not going to start swinging a bat this week. Yeah, but they're not pitchers. They can, I mean, they don't have, they don't need a ton of swings to get ready. I'm sorry. This has starting the season on the 15 day, 15 day IL written all over it. And then he's his first game is like April 14th, right. which is not a huge deal. Right. But that's where this is heading. Okay. Oh, well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. You know, now, now we'll see what happens. But what, what that is leading me to is a first couple weeks of this season, some fun outfield play where it's going to be super interesting in the outfield with Gardner Talkman and potentially Clint Frazier and, or Miguel and as the third and fourth outfielder. The dark and, horse coming up. And Duhar has played in left field twice so far this spring. Um, as of today. As of today. Before the game. Over, under, on times he plays in left field in the regular season this year. Two and a half. What are you taking? Oh, I'm way over. I'm taking the under. I'm way over because you got to get him on the, on the field. Look. The bat, Stanton is nowhere to be found. So DH. The bat is electric. The bat is so beautiful. Yeah, and, and they're gonna put they're gonna put him in there. DH is a crowded place, even with Stanton gone. They are going. It is. Yeah, because they're gonna be rotating. It's a rotational spot. It's not a real position it's, on the eh. Yankees. You have, I mean, you have got. Look, if he's if he shows that he can't field uh, the ball at third base to a, a point, you're not gonna well, see he, him there. He can't at all. We know that. Okay, so then you are gonna see him in the outfield. That's just it. I and you know what I saw yesterday? I saw a guy shagging a fly ball with relative ease. Looked very comfortable out there. I mean, Yankee Stadium outfield left field is not easy. It's not. It's not fielding a ground ball or getting your feet right. Who I don't really care if he double clutches in the outfield. He's never. He's never done it before. But that's so you're saying that he has a chance. He's never shown no, you I, that he can't. I just. I find it. I find it difficult. To believe they're going to really put him out there on any sort of consistent basis. Might he go in in the middle of a game because he pinch hit or something like that? Might they rotate it around? Fine. 
but I just really can't see him starting out there on a consistent basis. We'll see what happens. I, man. I set the over under at two and a half to make a point. Two and a half is nothing. One or two times is nothing. But I really don't see it being consistent. We, it's too early to say. We've seen him twice in the game. So, I mean, we don't know what he is out there yet. Maybe he's a guy that could transition out there. Maybe he's been a natural outfielder his entire career and nobody just, they had him in the wrong place the entire time. There are plenty of guys that have started and played third base or even catcher and then moved to left field. That is a very natural, you know, progression of of positions when guys go from high school to college to pros, from minors to pros, from minors to minors, they go on the left side of the field like that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could make that transition. Some of the biggest problems with him is the timing of his throwing on the infield, the the footwork to get in into position on the infield when a ball's coming at you that hot. A lot of that is taken away when you go to the outfield. The instincts, the instincts towards the line, like he always had relatively decent instincts towards the line. You know, maybe those play much better in the outfield. Maybe he's able to read those balls a lot easier and better. So I think there's a lot of things that are unknown. But to say that he can't do that, the guy's an athlete, professional athlete, insane bat. They're going to give him an opportunity to do that in the spring. And, you know, two games tells you nothing. Um, no. But we'll see. You know, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I really don't. I think there's a much higher percentage chance of him going and succeeding in left field than he were to uh, move over to first base. That was going to be my next question. Where does he play more, first or left field this year? Certainly, I think left field is the higher probability of him doing well. Defensively. Where does he play more games in left field or third base this year? Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, I'd say third base, but who knows? I mean, if he come, if they see him as a competent left fielder, we could. And, and with the way the injuries are happening, there's a, there's a lot of unknown there, and you know that they're going to who play, gets. But Talkman and Gardner. I think you know they're gonna. They're still not gonna play Gardner every single day. Like he's gonna play a lot, but they're gonna want to rest him occasionally. And Talkman's the guy that plays center field. So there's left field is open right now, for for those days. Yeah, if they do. And if have Clint Andy Frazier Hart, can't catch a fly ball, who else are you putting out there? Tyler Wade. Well, maybe you know there's guys that could go, but Andrew I know is Frazier a likely thing. Frazier is still getting the crack in the outfield before Andujar. Would you not say that they're pretty goddamn close? No, I would not. I would. On the outfield depth chart, I would not say they're pretty close. I'd say by the eyeballs from the coaches, I bet they're not that far off. Dude, Cliff Frazier couldn't field the ball. How could you possibly put him on any level of depth chart? If you Because he's been an outfielder his entire professional life. That makes it so much worse for me. <laughs> the fact that he still can't catch a ball and he's done it his whole life makes it worse. Give me the guy that might be able to be better. Look, if you look at their bats, who's got a better bat? I'd take Andujar's bat over Clint Frazier's bat. He's shown it. There's, there's no way. Yeah, I agree. There's no way that um, they have an outfield alignment with Frazier and Andujar in the game at the same time. That's too much risk in the outfield. I agree. So if one of those guys, Andujar or Clint, is in the outfield, that means Gardner is playing and Talkman is playing. But the tricky thing comes in where Gardner's a left fielder and a center fielder, and Talkman is can play everywhere. Everywhere. But in that case, you would probably put Andujar in left, Gardner in center. Talkman in right. Yes. But if it's Frazier, you'd probably go Gardner left, Talkman center, Clint right. If Why? Judges, because Clint Frazier is not starting. When we first saw him in left field, was much better than he was in right field. No, I'm saying if Judge is not starting the season. Yeah. Look, I. Well, it's this is a moot point. If Judge is ready for opening day, this is a moot point. Judge is in right. You got Gardner in left and Talkman in center, and then you've got Andujar or Clint Frazier as the fourth and fifth outfielders. I mean, that's, that's, that's not a question, but the tricky thing comes in where if you have Stanton and judge not ready for the season, 
I, I think at that point too, like I'm not, I don't think that there's a, a fourth and fifth outfield spot with both of those guys on that list. Like you can't do but there's that. There's 26 roster spots now. Right. But you can't do that. You can't say that uh, those are my backup outfielders. You, those are your guys that will play with the, with a bat in their hands. And then you hope the pretty, pretty guy that they catch the ball. Unless Andy Warren's better than we expect. Because he could be. Who knows? What if Clint Frazier is better than we saw last year? Ter- because terrific. he is. Uh, okay. Then then he's got to show that, though. Because he's he's working from a deeper hole, I, I believe. Because he's... Because, <laughs> he's working from a... Yes. And he's never played Because he's, he's shown to be untrustworthy. That's why. When oh a guy hasn't shown anything, do you trust him more or less than a guy you don't trust? Answer that I, question. I trust Clint Frazier in the outfield more than I trust Miguel. Why? What have have you seen that has given you that? Nothing. Clint Frazier in 2017 and 2018 was an average outfielder. We have never seen Miguel Andujar play outfield in a major league baseball game. I don't know if he can be an average outfielder. I do know he is a very below average third baseman. Does that translate to being an average outfielder? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. The point is, is that you can't rely on on Frazier. Like nothing, nothing that he's done in the in the recent future with his outfield play has shown. Can you rely anything. on Miguel Andujar in the outfield? No, that's the point. And you can't. I'm not saying you can like bank on. <laughs> I think that's Frazier in the outfield. No, either. I think you're saying. But like if I'm gonna glove, if I'm gonna Clint pick Frazier. one to succeed in the outfield, I'm going to pick Clint Frazier. I don't know, man. I kind of like Andujar's work ethic. <laughs> I believe him. Uh, I believe in Miguel Andujar. Jordan Montgomery has been clocked at 94 miles an hour. Oh, and by the way, is... Tyler Wade can play the outfield also. No, Tyler Wade, I would pick as a defensive, defensive over, outfielder over both of them. <laughs> yeah. majority. And he hit a dinger in spring training the other day. He swole. Monty has been clocked at 94 miles an hour this spring, which is up from his last full season of healthy um, velocity, which is 2017, which is 92.1 miles an hour. So he's almost increased his velocity by two miles an hour. He goes, I don't know where this is coming from, basically was his quote. So, hey, some silver lining on the Severino Tommy John surgery. He's going to come back throwing 103. I love that. No, yeah, they're, you know, tighten up that ligament. Uh, yeah. a la, Get uh, a little rookie of the year yeah, uh, what, action going. What was it? Garden, garden hoser? Garden. Rowan, 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 Gar- Rowan hoser. The, uh, yeah, I love it. Tighten it up a little bit. You know, give me some little elasticity in there. Uh, spin rate action we got with. Uh, Mark Bailey, <laughs> Matt Blake, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen with, uh, with, with that spin rate. I, I'm curious to see what the effect is with, with a lot of the uh, pitching mechanics and, and how they change things uh, and how they're looking at things a little bit differently. I think that's going to be very interesting to, to see how they tweak mechanics and possibly add some, you know, velocity on the, uh, on the fastball or add some spin rate on, on those, um, uh, on some of those breaking balls. Like it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And the fact that Montgomery's coming in with a fresh arm throwing 94, I like that a lot. Some other, so we're going to run through some non-injury related topics just for some feel good stories. I tried to pick out some positives here. So that's a positive that, that you're looking for positive 94. Yeah. It's a positive that you're looking for positives. (laughs) Another positive is that Gary Sanchez and Garrett Cole seem to have a good working relationship. Here's a quote from Cole. We're pretty much in sync. The games don't count, but they matter. So there's some good stuff to be learned. Just try to keep communicating with Gary so we can hopefully read each other's minds at some point this season. Garrett Cole, noted personal catcher guy, working to make Gary Sanchez his personal catcher. <laughs> I like it. She can't make the starting catcher your, your personal catcher. Like, Why not? I, I mean, it just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, you can flip the script. It doesn't work that way. That would just be yes, a, it does. That would just be a catcher. Um, 
Just like the opener is really a starting pitcher, you're just not using him as long. Until it comes to arbitration, because then, no. So here's the, the thing I love about this. I think, and I, I said this earlier, I think the Garrett Cole effect is is twofold. I think you're going to obviously see it on the field because he's dominant. And by the way, it was just fun to watch him throw. I mean, just mechanical. The guy is an engineer out there. You can tell. The way his mind works, the way he talks, talks... He, he talks like a like a big nerd, um, very, very, you know, matter of fact about the way he speaks. But then he goes out there and just dominates. And you can tell uh, that he's going to be fun to watch all season long. So I love the fact that you have that type of guy leveling up other people because that's the second fold is I do think that he's going to make everybody else better. When they see his work ethic, when they see how detailed he is, and I, I said engineer, like he engineers his starts, I feel like. He engineers his pitches. He's a self-proclaimed data freak when it comes to pitching. So he's looking at every possible thing. And I think that is going to be a very, very positive effect on Gary Sanchez. I think it's going to up the professionalism a little bit on the way that he approaches certain things. Um, and, and not to say that it was bad before, but I think it's just different. I think that you have a guy like that in there going to make you look at things differently. It's going to make you, a, uh, it's going it, to, you're going to know on that day, you better be phenomenal because the other guy is going to be prepared and phenomenal, possibly the best pitcher in baseball. So I think there's a very, very positive trickle down effect here. Yeah. And I think the Yankees are going with Higgy because they love his receiving skills and his pitch framing. And that's all great. But I just hope that we don't, you know, because uh, the whole Maldonado thing was talked about in the offseason, how Garrett Cole loved pitching to him. The numbers with Ma Martin Maldonado last year were off the charts. So I just hope we don't find ourselves in a situation where if they do sort of struggle to get on the same page in the early part of the season, I don't want them to abandon it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, just looking at the way that they work together, even I know it's been two starts and like four innings, but... Um, it does seem like they have a very matter, like very professional, like let's get out there and, and and ball type of relationship. Even when they're talking, when you see them kind of on the side talking, it's the body language is very positive, at least from what I've seen so far. I'm happy with it. I'm excited. Did you for see? It. Did you see the tweet from Hoke um, about Clint Fri about um, Garrett Cole's start, where he said that the Yankees brought him back out for the third inning because he was too efficient in the first two innings. He didn't reach his pitch count. Yeah, I love that. That's great. He's, I mean, the way that his mechanics work too, he doesn't look like he wastes one movement. It, that, that's, it's, it, it's, it's beautifully synchronized and it just looks like everything he does is for a reason. I love that. Not going to lie. I needed a towel after I read that okay. tweet. I'm so sick of those things. Everybody's going to that. It's terrible. Uh, I don't know why last... that's a cool th I don't know why that's a trend now. <laughs> the last piece of positive news is potentially that the last Frazier piece of has... positive news. Sorry. For the Yankees yeah, okay. that I have here on this list. <laughs> the last piece of positive news is that Clint Frazier worked with Matt Holliday in the offseason and looks like he has tweaked his stance. Uh, Dom, who was our first show intern, put out a an interesting tweet the other day where he sort of broke down the, the different in, difference in mechanics. So looks like the leg kick is way reduced. It's much more compact. The front foot is now facing upwards, likely a new timing mechanism. Uh, it's a slightly wider stance overall, and the hands are a bit lower. So who knows if he needed a mechanical tweak in his stance because we've seen him perform well offensively in the past. But it's kind of cool that he went to Matt Holiday. You kind of forget they were teammates. Yeah, I do forget. I did forget that they were teammates. Like 
Frazier played 2017 a decent amount of time. So I like the fact that he's making some changes like this. Obviously, you're always looking for guys to improve. And the fact that Frazier understands that, you know, maybe there was a, a little bit of a timing thing um, with him. And you can have all the bat speed in the world, but if you're not, if your timing is off, you know, the bat speed doesn't necessarily help you as much. So uh, he's getting a little bit more simple. He definitely cleaned it up as far as you see a lot of things. Like, honestly, you look at what Judge did as far as the adjustments and some of the things that Frazier has done where you're limiting just a little bit of a pivot. It's just, I think what it does is it helps him repeat his mechanics a lot more easily. And I think when you have the bat speed like Clint, if you can get to that spot more often, then the bat speed really, really helps you out a lot even more. So I think it's You see this quote about his bat speed? Yeah. A lot of times people have talked about my bat speed, but I never really felt like it was always there. I felt like I was trying to shoot a gun with it on safety. Yeah. Interesting, interesting analogy. Which, which, what does that mean to you? Like to me that what that says is that his, the speed was there, but the timing was not there. So almost like he's, he's like having to catch up or like fight to get the the bat to where he needs to be at a certain time. If you have the safety on, you're trying to shoot a gun, like you're being limited. Right. So the, like, I think that's a good thing for him, like making things a little bit more simple, just reducing the amount of uh, muscle memory that has to happen. I, I like this move. I think it could be very positive because I don't think he's that far off. I think small little tweaks for him could make a significant impact um, with the bat. And we know how much confidence plays into his game. So, you know, mm-hmm. a, a thing like this. And I, I, I didn't know that Holiday was still, you know, an impact guy on this roster. I like that. Kind of like that. Yeah, I don't know how that relationship. Um, how they, uh, an Atlanta he was guy? A Rock- oh well, I, I thought so. He signed with the Rockies last year, didn't he? And I feel like he got a job as like a, a Rockies advisor. Oh, I don't know. I think that was just a, really a a signing for retirement, wasn't it? Did he technically retire? I don't know if he did. No, he actually he he played last year. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I forgot he played. Um, but Matt Holiday is a guy. I mean even though he was only with the Yankees for a season, he became kind of like a team leader in that year. Yeah. Veteran guy comes in the, and, and he definitely had that approach. Not to mention he had a, you know, a fun relationship with Gardner as the other ball guy. Like there were things happening yeah. there that were positive. I liked his short stint here. Big forearms. I mean, he's a massive, massive human being. He did not play last year. He didn't No. So that was 2018 that he played. Yeah. And I thought that was right. 2018. And he only played 25 games. So, I think he was a, uh, I don't know. Is, if he, he, a Rock, is he a Rockies advisor now? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a baseball, baseball reference. Uh, this Excel spreadsheet doesn't tell me that. The, uh, <laughs> the, he was 38 years old, though, in the last season at Colorado. Because I, I do remember him signing there, but it was more of like a, a legacy play, I think. I could see him eventually going into coaching or something. He seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, for sure. You take him seriously. Um, Herman had a, there was a weird story about Herman being in a car accident in the Dominican Republic. And there was some misreporting because it was first reported that he was in the car accident and injured. And then it was reported he was not in the car accident and just his girlfriend was in the car accident and she broke her arm. And then it was reported that it was confirmed he was in the car accident but not hurt even though his girlfriend did break her arm. So that's what Dominguez Herman has been up to in addition to wearing hug season shirts while exercising. Yeah, why you got to wear that now, Domingo? Jesus. All right. I want to do a lightning round. He needs round to tighten MLB. it up, man. Let, let's just stay out of the news. Do your yeah. thing. Be a better person. Shut the f up. Do they have Uber in the in the Dominican? I don't know. Didn't look like he was. Didn't look like that car was uh, was was you know trying to go somewhere. Honestly. Uh, lightning round MLB news dump. Let's try and do like a minute on each of these topics. I know it's difficult for us. The first one is that the Astros have been hit seven times as of Wednesday in spring training, and the over under is at eighty three and a half. 
for the season that they're going to be hit. Are you taking the over or the under? Over. I'm taking the over too. And I think that it's going to be over. I, I think, though, here's where it could go under. They get hit a bunch of times in the first few weeks of the season, and then Manfred comes Just down hard on... Yeah. And that, and then guys are like, well, I'm not going to get fined 25 grand for hitting them, or I'm not going to spend two weeks suspended for hitting these guys. But the point will be made early in the season that they're going to get drilled. And let me, um, can I say something real quick? I'm reading this article from uh, I think it's probably from Cuddy on NJ.com. This is this Frazier still said the advice still in his head from Matt Holiday's brief tenure with the club has helped him revamp his stance. So he's going back to what Holiday had told him in 2017. Oh, not... it wasn't that Holiday helped him this offseason. I totally misread that. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. That's what, uh, that was, yeah, one of the biggest things is staying behind the ball and feeling awkward in a position. So, yeah, I, there, if you look at what the way Judge uh, kind of loads, Oops. if you look at the way Judge loads his stance and kind of like some of the new tweaks that he has made, Clint Frazier has made, you see actually some similar stuff. So I'm, I'm seeing some, some interesting things there, and I like it. Related to the Astros, so according to Carl Ravitch, Joe Torre warned the Astros and the Red Sox before the 2018 ALCS that it's known around the league what you guys have been doing. Eventually, someone's going to rat you out. And supposedly, according to Carl Ravitch, that scared the crap out of a lot of the players on both of those teams. To the point where he's alluded, um, Im- implied... Things stopped after that. Yeah, I don't know about that, but the thing is, they were they saw what happened in the playoffs. There were still things that were happening last year. I mean, honestly, clearly last year with the amount of signs that the Nationals had to change, and that this you could just tell. You know, I keep going back to this this post game interview um, that they were giving, and it was Strasburg after they won you could tell he was frustrated and annoyed even after they won because they had to do so when he was talking about it, that they had to change so many goddamn times because of the Astros. And I think a lot of that was because they think that they had them from straight theft. I read an article, I think it was on the athletic um, where it broke down a, a game that Oakland was playing in Houston last season, last season, Jonathan Lucroy was the catcher and Edwin Jackson was the pitcher. And with nobody on base, Lucroy went through physical sign sequences and then uh, hand sign sequences. And it took every pitch like 30 plus seconds to just go through those signs. So somehow he was giving an indicator on what the sequence of actual finger number signs were going to be. That's the lengths that they were going to with nobody on base in the fourth inning of a game in Houston. Yeah, it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. Whatever. Move on. F that guy. So moving on F to the team. World Baseball Classic, apparently you're a huge wor- World Baseball Classic fan, and Tim Tebow will play for Team Philippines because apparently really, yeah. he was born in the Philippines and um, he spent until his fifth, fifth birthday. In, oh, in I didn't, I didn't actually know he was born there. Okay, that makes a yeah. little more sense. He was born in Manila when his parents were performing missionary work, and he spent until he was five. All right, I'm, uh, I'm fine with that then. I actually didn't know that little piece of it. So. He's got Wait, no chance. You, you can't just pick a random yeah, team. I know, you but there's just, like there's like weird connections. If you're, I think if your grandparent was born in that country, you can play for that country. Yeah, so there's a lot of like very distant connections. This Austin Romine played for Team Italy in the last World Baseball Classic. Okay, 
Uh, yeah, and so did Piazza at one point too. Like right? there were guys that Piazza never played in the World Baseball. Or Classic. he played for something. Maybe it was the Olympics uh, at one point. I thought. He, I mean, the World Baseball Classic's only been going on since like 2006. He played somewhere for Team Italy, I swear. Maybe he was coaching or whatnot. But the thing is, is that Tebow was born there, so I'm good with that because you know what? Tebow ain't playing on any other team. He's probably their best player. He probably is their best player. He's gonna make. He's gonna bring huge impact. So, so I, you're you like the WBC? I do like the WBC. I don't think about it until it happens. But I like. When's the next WBC? No idea. But when was the last WBC? Don't remember. It Who was won the last WBC. Some I think the US did. <laughs> yeah, you're a huge fan. No, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I don't care about the. I don't remember results. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember specific games. I remember Strowman was awesome in the WBC, and like uh-huh. in, the, in the moment, it was fun. That's what I love about the WBC. I don't care about the other stuff. It doesn't matter. Like that stuff. I don't need to know when it is. I don't need to know when the next one is. I don't even care about what the last one was. In the moment when you're watching that baseball, it's fun because you get the you get all like the crazy fans in the different countries. You have the U.S. against the other teams. To me, like that just brings back a lot of the very very fun, no thinking elements of baseball, and I love that. So yeah, I don't remember the stats or care about who wins and losses unless I'm watching it and my memory is not serving me. I think the yet. Was it not the US, USA that won? Yep, U.S. won in 2017. Yeah, so and get Japan, off me. I, Japan, I had it, right? Japan had won the previous two WBCs. The next one is in 2021. I, I do so, remember the battle between the Dominican Republic and uh, Puerto Rico were, were freaking intense. It was intense. Here's my, pro- here's my problem with the WBC. They do it during spring training. So it's not actually real baseball. Uh, but it is. And it, and it feels very real. The problem is guys who are on pro teams, it's not real baseball. But for other people, for other teams, it's real baseball. So then that makes it not real baseball. I disagree with you. I think that everybody who played, because you didn't get every single player. The guys who didn't want to play, uh, didn't play. The guys that did want to play prepped a little differently and were, were very ready. Those teams, those you can't, you can't watch that baseball against the from U.S. against Puerto Rico or U.S. against Dominican and not tell me that those guys aren't playing hard and playing... But they were. They were all playing freaking like balls to the wall. It was. Good how will baseball. you feel? How will you feel if in 2021 Garrett Cole wants to pitch for Team USA, or Aaron Judge wants to play for Team USA, or uh, Gary Sanchez wants to play for Team Dominican Republic? Look, how are you gonna feel? About it is that? what it is. Obviously, you don't want to see any of your players get hurt. So I feel a little differently about the Yankees playing. But uh, at the end of the day, like we're talking about, the, I'm talking about the baseball itself. Like I'm not talking about my emotion, my guy there. Yeah, I'd be nervous for sure. But I'd still. It'd be fun to watch him in the moment. And that's where I take this in the moment when you're watching these games, they're fun. You can't deny that they're not fun. They're fun to watch. I mean, it's more fun than watching um, spring training games. It's more sure. fun than watching some regular season games. Like they're intense games and it's different because now you have a, a, a like the whole cultural element that comes into play where you're going country against country and guys from different teams. It's almost an all-star game that matters and these guys so playing it takes their two asses weeks, right? off. It takes, it takes two weeks, Again, right? you're, asking three de- weeks. you're asking me details that I don't know. Is You know how the hockey takes off for the Olympics? They do like a two and a half week break yeah. in the middle of it. Would you be okay if MLB did that? So they move the WBC to like June or July and they, they take off. There's a three-week hiatus on Major League Baseball and everyone can go play there in peak midseason form so you don't have to really worry about injury you're not adding games because 
your um the guys are still playing the games they would normally play this also makes it so instead of playing in only southern stadiums you can play in yankee stadium because it's june yeah uh i mean i don't know i don't know how it would affect it i I think it's it's very difficult to do that in the middle of the season when you're hockey does it yeah it's i don't know it's different i don't know how to i don't know how to tell you it's different but it is the fact i think that there's just the Baseball is different in the level of stress on it that you're doing uh, things like you have, you know, X amount of pitches in an arm. Hockey players can play all day But you're long. not adding, you're not adding pitches. I know, but you're also now throwing those pitches for the organization, not your organization. I, I think it's a little different in the season. It's just, it, it would be tough to do if they did it, you know, and they found a good way to do it, then cool. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting because right now, isn't baseball back in the Olympics this year? I think it is. And yeah, but you have to be an amateur and, that's what's different, though, because the NBA in, in base basketball, they they play in the Olympics. Yeah, but they play in the Summer Olympics and they're a winter sport. What? No, but, but they're professionals. Is my point. The professionals play in the, the no, WBC. That, the don't... professionals play in the WBC, so it doesn't really matter as much for the Olympics. Baseball, I think that they've set it so that you don't have the um, the top level, the, the pros in Major League Baseball. I think at least no, no, you can, you can't. No, I know you can't, but it's. But that's exactly that, what you'd be saying, because that's in the middle of the summer. Uh, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> baseball, right, it used to be where baseball player, like if you go back, the, all the amateurs in, in Olympics would only play in baseball. They have since changed the rules in some of those sports. I don't know if it's across the board or not, but you look at the NBA, NBA players play in there. When the Dream Team no, I know, happened, but that it's, was the, uh, okay, one of the first that, years I, where the I, professionals I, played. NBA is different season. But you're talking about adding it to the middle of the season. They're playing in the Summer Olympics. NHL is a winter sport and they're a winter Olympic sport. They play in the Winter Olympics. And they're pros. What you're doing doing is talking about the WBC and putting it in the middle of the season. And what I'm telling you is the Olympics would be exactly that. Okay, fine. Move (laughs) it to the Olympics. I'm okay with that. But the thing is they don't allow professional players, I don't think, play in that uh, that game, in those games. Uh, Japan is playing the rest of its preseason games. And there's a reason stadiums. for that too. Probably because they don't want their guys in season playing. Wait, what? In the Olympics. So therefore, I don't see them ever doing that for the WBC. That's why they do it in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Japan is playing its games to empty stadiums because of the coronavirus. And their regular season opens opens up on March 20th. And um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what's going on for that. But I, I was thought of this what if houston has to play all of their home games this year with no fans in the state in the stands or all i think, only I, I think opposing, they prefer that. i think they prefer only that. opposing only opposing fans yeah you can't do that i mean it'd be fun just opposing fans that would be awesome i don't know how you would regulate that you'd have to like only open it up to like you can only purchase a ticket if you're physically in another market which i know you could still do if you're an astros fan living in new york you could technically still do it but it would be harder I mean, yeah, VPN would go up, but yeah, I, I think it yeah, would be, I think you'd have to like at the gate, you know, curse out somebody or like do something against the Astros to prove that you're no, not really an Astros fan. The last uh, thing I want to talk about is they are introducing a new pickoff rule to Class A and below, where the pitcher has to step off the rubber before making a pickoff attempt. They tested this in the Independent Atlantic League last year. They also tested the auto strike zone there. And stolen base attempts increased and double plays decreased, obviously because runners can get a better jump when the pitcher um, is pitching. This 
I think is a pretty radical change that I don't like at all. <laughs> it's actually not that radical. It is pretty radical. All it does, look, so it means that you have to step off the back of the rubber to go to first base rather than doing a slide step or, or some kind of a, a quick foot turn and going to first, right? That's, and also for lefties, it drastically changes because there's no more Andy Pettit pickoff moves. Yeah, unless yeah, um, unless they step off with their back foot. But that's much easier to identify as a base runner. Sure, meaning you can get way bigger. Yes, jumps. yes, you cannot you cannot do it in your motion um, like they are. You're right. So the which I think half, here, half of those half of those guys are balking anyway to to my eye, but. You know, it was cool because it was Andy Pettit was on my team. So here's this is going to make games longer. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's going to be less throws over. But there's going to be fewer double plays and more stolen bases. Yes, but it's going to make it more exciting, right? I mean, I don't know. There's a different element to it, what they're going to do and how they. I think there's going to be an adaptation. I don't think there are very many lefty uh, guys like Andy Pettit who have that move. There's just they're not that many of them. Um, who can do that? That was always like Andy Pettit's secret weapon. It's like if he's in a jam, he's just going to pick someone off. Yeah. Oh, it was so deceiving. It was uh, like if I was on runner, I would I would hate that more than anything because it looks like a balk. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it definitely changes the game. I think it's going to change on obviously how these guys work on their pickoff moves. Um, so we'll see how it – I don't think it's that big of a deal though. I really don't. Um, <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate this one. Like it's just – it's whatever. They're tweaking little things. Like that, to me, that's a little tweak. That's not like a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it affects the gameplay, but you know, there's ways around it, I think, with preparation. Before we get to mailbags, I want to read a couple of reviews. So the first one is from Sage Makaku. I've been listening to this show for just about a year now, and not only is it my favorite Yankees podcast, it's my favorite one I listen to. I went to a game in the playoffs last year, and looking forward to giving – uh, to going to more events. Awesome job, guys. Thank you for that. The second one is from Mekai Kai 24. After over two years of listening to, uh, uh, after over two years of listening, finally decided to write a review. Just wanted to say thank you to you both. Listening all the way out here in Hawaii. Mahalo for keeping me updated on every bit of news. If you guys are wondering how someone in Hawaii is a Yankees fan, well, going up, well, growing up, my hitting coach was Bronson. Sardinia. 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 Yeah, former 2001 first-round pick um, from here, I believe. Always. Uh, anyways, thanks again. Planning a trip to New York sometime later in the year to catch a game or two. So thank you to the, for both of those reviews, despite my butchery of reading it. The text is small. That's why. Uh, but why I brought this up is because both of them have been listening for at least a year, and they finally got around to giving us a review. So if you guys are out there and have been listening to, for, to us for a month, six months, a year, Five years. I bet you there's people out there who have listened to us for five years and not left us a review. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Because, you know, so you got to so. think about it. You got to like do a call to action and actually like physically do it. I, I listen to some podcasts that I haven't reviewed. It's terrible. You should do it. Although my favorite is I've been listening to these guys for three years now and I hate them. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate them too. <laughs> All right, let's get to mailbags. First one up is from Sean. Uh, and it's long, so great. You want me to read it? I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> Even though I just ran out of water. Here we go. I'm going to give you a, a little a bit of a break, okay? The, the Severino news is an absolute punch to the gut and probably the most emotionally painful Yankees injury-related incident since Mariano Rivera tearing his ACL back in 2012. 
I know Cashman has insisted on rolling with the young arms, but inevitably the time will come where the Yankees may need to add to the rotation a yearly Yankees tradition. One pitcher I'd like to talk about is Corey Kluber. The Yankees were linked to him last offseason, but the Indians wanted a big package, which makes sense given that he had finished third in the Cy Young voting and has a team-friendly contract. He is, of course, now on Texas, but the Pakota projections have the Rangers finishing fourth in the AL West with 73 wins. There's a very likely chance that they will be selling, and since teams with better farm systems than the Yankees could be in an arms race for guys like Robbie Ray and Mike Clevenger, I think Kluber could be a fit for the Yankees. His trade value, unless he pitches at an all-star level, won't be what it was before uh, given that he's controlled through 2021, given the fact that the three out of the five Yankees projected rotation, Paxton, Tanaka, Hap, are free agents after this year, acquiring Kluber can at least protect them in the event that they lose all three before Severino comes back. I've always loved the repertoire, his repertoire and am curious what Matt Blake or Mark Bailey could do with him. I'm wondering what you guys think. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate the mailbag. Matt Blake, I mean, he was in Cleveland before the Yankees, so he's worked with Kluber in the past. Kluber, $17.5 million in 2020, $18 million club option for 2021. I don't know. It'd be weird if the Rangers already trade him. They are trying to compete. Their rotation had two pretty good pitchers in Lance Lynn and um, – uh, why do I always forget his name? The lefty? Oh, uh, two, uh, minor, minor. 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 So minor, Lynn – Kluber could be a solid rotation. Yeah. I mean, Who knows? Yeah. They could compete. What if the Astros take a huge step back because they're a dumpster fire? The Angels are still only have one player. Oh, now they have two players. Have but that's it. And Otani, oh. apparently, who changed the trajectory of the Yankees, according to Joel Sherman. <laughs> Trout run down. Like, I don't know. Maybe the Rangers could compete. I don't think they're going to, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because... You're forgetting about the uh, Oakland Athletics as well that have a, a very yeah. you know good young team. They're, they're, I think that, that division is actually going to be... A lot more Could highly it be contested. Clustered around high eighties, low nineties. Maybe we'll see how with the uh, the wild card is obviously what the Astros do and how they handle this season. I think that's going to be uh, TBD. The talent's certainly there. Cashman said he does not may expect to make a trade for now. You rely on your depth to fill the hole of Severino, but I don't think he means for the entire season. I think he just means All-Star. now. Yeah. yeah. So, or, I mean, you mean Sean? Sean, I think is talking about All Star. Uh, Cashman talking about currently, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that if the Yankees are in a need for a starting pitcher in the summer, Cashman will look to make a deal like he always looks to make a deal. There's uh, some trade candidates that MLB trade rumors identified as being possible options come midseason. John Gray from the Rockies, Archer from the Pirates, Matthew Boyd, who we talked about last year from the Tigers, Caleb Smith from the Marlins, Hugh Darvish and Jose Quintana from the Cubs. Um, both are expensive, however, from the Cubs. Caleb Smith, who had a really good year with the Marlins, former Yankee, uh, that, That's that true. did have, or at least he started off the season. I don't know how he ended it. I remember seeing that he was uh, doing really well in the beginning. Chris and Archer has been... Archer sign a deal with the Pirates? It doesn't matter. He's just a shell of who he was, so he's a name. That's it. I want nothing to do with Chris Archer. Uh, so there's some interesting guys. There might be some interesting guys, depending on who's competing and who's not, not competing in the middle of the season. Right now, there's... Not really much left on the free agent market. Andrew Kashner, Jason Vargas, and Colin McHugh are also on the free agent market. Colin McHugh is interesting, I think. For- interesting. The problem with him is he's been injured the last two seasons. Yeah. But he's the best. He's got the best potential out of the three. 
Kastner last year had a 4.99 ERA. Vargas had a 4.99 ERA. And Colin McHugh, over the last two seasons, has had a 3.37. Andrew Kastner is complete trash. Don't even Garbage. look his way. Yeah, Vargas, I can't look at. No, no thank you. <laughs> you um, know who Vargas reminds me of? Is Vidal Nuno. I guess, but he's a lot like greasier and just, he's a, he's a just, dick. Like, just his, go away. I just don't want to, I don't want to, I want nothing to do with him. McHugh is the only one that's interesting to me in that, in that, in that group. And, you know, to, to Sean's point about Kluber, I don't know. We're going to have to see how Kluber bounces back from what he did last year too, because he did have some injury, um, but he was not a good pitcher last year. And we don't know what he is right now, whether that was an outlier or maybe that's the beginning of the end for him. Who knows? There's a lot, you know, he's pitched a lot. Uh, yes, he's been a dominant guy for a very long time. Um, so we'll see what he is in, in Texas. I think Texas kind of took a risk with him, uh, not really knowing what they're going to get. So we'll see it at that point. I don't see Texas dealing at that. I mean, they wouldn't even trade minor, you know, at the deadline when they had a clear opportunity. Cause isn't he, a they, they thought they were going to, they finished like a handful of games out of the wild card. So I, I think that, you know, where they're positioned, I think that they are probably going to be at least, you know, in the mix. Um, I wouldn't take, you know, these, I know the Pagoda projections are pretty good, but I'm looking at these projections with a grain of salt. Like there's a, there could be a, a decent ramp up over there. Um, but then again, Lance Lynn could become Lance Lynn again. Who knows? So this is something that we, Ryan and I touched on briefly, but I wanted to spend more time on it. So Tanaka Paxton are both free agents after this year and Hap will have that vesting option. Now with Hap needing to be relied on more, isn't it kind of realistic that he hits 160 innings? I mean, I think it was going to be close to it anyway. Again, I think if it was uh, if he's pitching well, then that was my my thought in the whole beginning of this Hap contract was it's a two year contract, and the third year contract will vest if he's pitching, if he's doing well. If it, then we're going to be okay with that. So, you know, the third year everybody was crying about in the beginning because they see what that third year is and. The, the problem is you don't know what the situation is. And the only reason that thing's going to vest is if dude is pitching relatively well. And then you're like, okay, fifth starter, fine. That's a that's not a bad thing. So I, there was really no l- losing angle for me, you know, unless an injury happened after the vested, uh, vested contract happened. 160 innings, if he makes 30 starts, is five and a third innings per start. Okay. You know, I mean, that's kind of who he is, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Getting into the sixth inning, great. And maybe if he was their fifth starter, they could avoid that, right? But, but what if? But if, that, but, but if he is your fifth starter, you're like, okay, I love that for my fifth starter as well. A guy no, who's going into innings, they'd fudge it so they didn't have to have that option vest. Yeah, I just don't think they were going to be at that point because I think he's still. If he's giving you that as a fifth starter, that's a very positive thing to have next year as a fifth starter. It's like, why are we having such a problem with he's a fifth? He would be a fifth starter. Because he's $17 million. I understand that. But he's going to give you what you need for the other guys to get a little bit more like, too, for your bullpen to be better. It it helps other factors of the team if he's not what he was last year. And I think, I think that he can be better because look what happened in the second half. He was a good pitcher. He wasn't talking about contracts, but he was a good pitcher. He had very weird streaks. Second half, he was a good pitcher. He had a, st- a streak of s- 10 starts in the second half that he was good, and then he also finished the season with six starts where he was bad again. 10 is more than six. Fifth starter. Okay. Alex, um, on Twitter, he's at NYC. Between this, the Severino and Stanton, 
and Hicks news, Cashman deserves a lot of heat. Dombrowski got fired after winning a World Series because of contracts he gave out. What has Cashman won in the last decade? This is a very different scenario. Well, so I think Cashman does deserve some criticism for bringing on Stanton, a huge contract, and he's been an injury guy. Signing Hicks to an extension, and he played 59 games, and now he's out for at least half of the next season. Signing Severino, and he pitched five games, including playoffs, and he's out until at least 2021. So I think there's some criticism there. He's given out contracts or brought on contracts to guys that have immediately gotten injured. Also a little fun piece of information. Giancarlo made $361,111 per plate appearance last year. That's annoying. The The Dombrowski <laughs> uh, comparison here doesn't make sense. It's, it's a very different scenario. Everybody knows what Dombrowski is when he comes in. The guy is a hitman. He comes in, you know, he will decimate your minor league system. He will make you top heavy, but he will make put you in a position to win a World Series. And that that is a known quantity. We know what he is. He did it in Detroit. He did it uh, in Boston. So I don't even know necessarily you're looking at him as Florida. Getting, he did it in the Marlins. He did it with the Marlins. I don't necessarily look at him as like getting fired. He just has a contract. You know, it's like he's got a term limit. And I think when... Well, it is kind of ironic, though, that the Red Sox fired him. Basically... They hired him, and then he did what they hired him to do, yeah. and then they fired him for what they knew he was going to well, do. Well, that's the thing. It's a term limit. So, like, okay, we got what we wanted out of him. Now we can build back up our team again. He's not the guy that's going to do that, so we need to move this. And it's probably, like, in the contract. Like, if you win a World Series, we're probably going to get rid of you if you don't win the next year. Like, you know, type of thing like that where it's just going to be you're gone soon because we know what you are. You make us top heavy. He's not a, a guy that's going to build the team out. So, um, yeah. I, I, I Yes, does he deserve – some uh, some criticism, I guess, for the injuries that happen. I mean, uh, maybe Stanton. You could look at the Stanton one. Is that will be a big deal? I think in five to ten years, when we look back at what Cashman's legacy is, and we see what Stanton uh, did, uh, what could have been if Stanton wasn't signed, where they could have gone, and you know how much winning they did. That will be so a direct- Stanton was traded for. Yes. However. It is as close to a free agent signing as a trade can possibly be. Right, but it wasn't. They didn't... Technically, it wasn't. Right. But also, you can say it kind of was. Or that it wasn't, because it wasn't. But the <laughs> here's the thing, though. When you compare those... But they agreed to take on the 10 yes, years. they did. And whatever, 200 at the time, it was 200 and... It was 70 something million or something like that. Here's the thing I, I, I look at, and I don't know how history will, will look back at this two year gap of, of um, free agent signings. But when you lump in Stanton's trade, if you want to call it trade slash signing, and then you put in the next two big guys of Harper and Machado, all three of those guys are very relatively close players when you look, when you break it down as far as the free agents, uh, as far as free agent prospects, and like you're looking at what the money they would command. I would say that they're all pretty close, right? Would you agree with me there? So yeah. when you're looking at the deal, now you look at the the two other alternative guys, I think you're going to start seeing comparisons, especially to Bryce Harper. What they could have gotten with Bryce Harper, what Stanton did. Um, not to say that Bryce would have signed here because it would have been a competition now to, to get him. You're still competing with the Phillies and everybody else who wanted to sign him. And they didn't have to do that with, with Giancarlo Stanton. So look, man, time will tell. I, I think at the moment when you're looking at that, not one person was looking at it cross-eyed they were like wow i can't believe he did that 
uh, the Harper contract's obviously longer. It's 13 years, but he's younger and he was on the field last year. Well, no, I'm saying they're going to be direct comparisons when history will compare those two players and Machado, I think. Alex Gabriel has the next question. What was the best Yankees rotation of the last 30 years? What rotation in the last 30 years went most to plan? In other words, what was the best as planned rotation in the last 30 years? And I did some research for this. So you can 30 years, 1990 to 2020, 1990, you were what? 17 years old at the time. When I see, when I see best as planned rotation in writing, the first thing I thought of was ass man. I don't know why. Just so you know. Ass man, man like Seinfeld? I read it quickly, said ass man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's one fewer A, a lot more I'm just telling you where I letters. I'm just telling you where my mind went. 1990 to 1995, you can basically throw out the rotation ranked 17th in Major League Baseball for uh, pitcher total pitch, uh, starting pitcher war. So you can really start this in 1996 when the Yankees rotation was Pettit, Kenny Rogers, Jimmy Key, and Doc Gooden. They all made at least 29 starts. The issue in 1996, David Cohn, who they were going to rely upon, had the aneurysm, so he only made 11 starts. So there's already something didn't go to plan. 1998, if you go to, you might think, wow, that rotation must have been just so rock solid. They won so many games. Pettit, Wells, and Cohn were consistent. Hideki Arabu made 28 starts, and he was actually above league average. El Duque came in midseason and made 21 starts. But I actually, when you compare the rotations, 98 to 99, I say the 99 rotation was better. Cone, Pettit, Clemens, and El Duque all made at least 30 starts. And Ramiro Mendoza and Hideki Arabu filled in the fifth starter job. So I, I highlighted 1999 as a year things went to plan. Yeah, because you're, that's, that's four guys, four very, very good pitchers that... We're started every started every one of their starts. Yes. The next time that happened was 2003. Mike Messina, David Wells, Roger Clemens, and Andy Pettit all made 30 starts. The little hiccup here was Jeff Weaver sucked, and he was the fifth starter. Then you just had things start to go wrong. 2004, uh, Clemens, Pettit, and Wells all left. Mike Messina had a 4.59 ERA. Then they bring in Randy Johnson. He was just underwhelming. They had to rely on Aaron Small to go 10-0 and 0 in 2005. 2006, Randy Johnson had a 5 ERA. 2007, Chingming Long actually showed up. Great, but Mike Messina that year had a 5.15 ERA. Uh, 2008, Daryl Rasner and Sidney Ponson made 35 starts combined. So I think Sydney, you can throw out 2009. Sidney Ponson. Okay, so now that brings us to 2009, where something did go wrong. Chingming Long was supposed to be the number two starter, and he got hurt he never recovered from his 2008 injury however i still highlighted this because they got at least 30 starts out of four starters cc aj burnett andy pettit and java chamberlain made 30 starts the fact that java chamberlain made 30 starts is crazy i do not remember that many starts i'm googling it now because it is really surprising and i just want to make sure i i got that stat right before people uh people uh get on me but so the uh the next time that those are like the last time it really went to plan 99 03 2009 i'll look at i'll double check your i'll fact check you you keep going yeah so 2010 they brought back javi vazquez and aj burnett had a five era so no thanks 2011 bartolo cologne made 26 starts so i don't think that was really in the plans 2012 cc and Kuroda were a really good one-two punch but um Everything was pretty mediocre behind them. 
Pettit came back in the middle of that season. Then we had the CC regression in 2013. 2014, CC got injured, but Tanaka came in and was really good. And then we know what it's been for 2015 to 2019, where things just have not gone to plan. 31 starts. It's crazy, isn't it? And the that's the funny thing is, is you look at the Java rules and all the crap that they had. They went from 2007, um, he was in 19 games. And As zero, a reliever. Zero starts. 2008, 42 games, 12 game starts. So a little bit of little bit of mixing it in. And then 2009, he was in 32 games and 31 of them were starts. God, they butchered him. Just totally mis- mishandled him. Um, so the answer, that's, a, that's an interesting question. The answer is three times over the last 30 years that I can confidently say the Yankees rotation was good and went to plan, which is <laughs> a low rate. So you go, you take that exact same time frame and you start looking around baseball and I bet you see similar results. Yeah, that's why that you have the baseball cliche. You can never have enough pitching. Yeah. So the um, and to plan is a very, you know, that's a loose term because you know your plan could be settling, knowing the injury is happening and who's going to come up. So theoretically, Cashman could say, actually, Andrew, ten of those went to plan because we had a uh, you know we had the plan in place if you know ex people got hurt. So, yeah, but if your if your plan B comes in and has a six point two ERA, I'm sorry, it didn't go to plan. Well, plan B is not going to be a three ERA guy. I'm not saying it is, but you got to be competent. I guess your your starting rotation can't have an ERA above league average. But here, I can't like, say this it was is, a this was always season. this was always the problem I have about people talk talking about adding another uh, quality starting pitcher when you already have five. There's nowhere to go. You only have a certain amount of spots that you can put these guys on the major league roster. You can't have a major league ready guy that's a, pro, a professional pitcher in the minor leagues pitching. Like it just doesn't work that way. It's not. I get that, but there's not how many of this works. Say, already 20, 2020 is not going to plan because we have one starter out for the entire season and one starter out for at least two months, if not three. Yeah. Right. So I, I think actually what you would think is if you're looking at a guy who's your sixth starting pitcher or the plan B and he comes in and he throws a, a three ERA, your plan is now exceeded. So there is no coming to plan. It's just like you have a guy now that could fill in and fill in uh, to a level that gets you, you know, X amount of starts. I think it's more along those lines. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to do that. There's only so many people that you could add. The next one's from Dan Conforti. With all the time capsule talk that goes on between John Sterling, Susan Waldman, and the Yes broadcast, it's surprising to me that Roger Clemens isn't talked about more. I was just recently reminded about his 15K one-hit game in 2000 against Seattle in the ALCS. Until now, I had no idea it happened. So, a couple things on Dan, I'm assuming, is young. If he doesn't remember that that Roger Clemens start, that is the best start Roger Clemens had as a New York Yankee is in Seattle in the ALCS, struck out 15, complete game, one-hit shutout. It was an absolutely filthy, dominant performance. Uh, the thing why he's not talked about is because of the steroids, I think. I think nobody wants to talk about I think Waldman still talks about him because she doesn't care about that stuff. She just goes into it and just talks about her stories. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's, uh, you know... George's box was literally named after that. It's kind of yeah. after that. Whole- so that's one of his. So I, I came up with three moments that stick out in my mind of Roger Clemens as a New York Yankee. One of them was when he showed up in George's box. One of them was that complete game in the ALCS. And the other was throwing him throwing the bat. a bat at Mike Piazza. Yeah. Uh, Mike Piazza. Yeah. No, the, and the, the him showing up was definitely, and you know, two of those are really 
non-baseball things. <laughs> Throwing the bat at Piazza was just like a rage moment. Yeah, it happened on the field, but it wasn't a baseball move. It was yeah, a, it was it a was lunatic move. It was a lunatic move. And I loved it at the time. Oh, man. All right. The I last just wish question. he hit him with the spear. Oh, really? Just stick it out of his thigh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have been... I want it to be like, Anchor, uh, like Anchorman where, you know, they're in the, the fight with all the different... <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, Mike Piazza has a, has a freaking bat impaled in his leg. If, if that impaled Mike Piazza in the leg, I'm not saying it killed him, but if it impaled him in the leg... And it's just sticking there go, hanging out. Does that, does that go in down in baseball as the most infamous, craziest, famous baseball moment in Major League Baseball history? That has to. Yeah, because Piazza's not being held back anymore. Piazza's going after, and now we have, now we have. If like you a, have boom. a player impale someone with a bat on the field, yeah. that is. Oh no, you the don't feel it immediately in sports history. You don't feel it immediately. You're going after that player, like if that, unless it impales you in the heart and stops you in your tracks, <laughs> <laughs> then then you are going to be a bull that just got shot, and you're going to go after somebody first before you, you know, can feel the pain of said bat that's impaled in your leg. Yeah. No, that would, that would a, be a crazy. A and then wild, the George's box moment was, you know, an all-time classic. What a wild moment that was. Just thinking about, like, I remember watching that. Um, that was 2000, so I was 12 years old at the time. I was watching in my living room with, with my dad, and we were both just looked at each other like, "Is did that really just happen? Did he really just do that?" The, the funniest oh thing about it is that, like, it was a broken bat that came back. That it's not like Piazza like intentionally swung, broke the bat. No, right, the bat yeah. went towards Clemens. If he did, then like, wow, Mike Piazza, that's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. So just nonsensical rage at that moment. The last question is potentially one of the, my favorite questions we've ever received. It's from Matt Roberts. With the news about Madison Bumgarner secretly competing in rodeos under a fake name, I was wondering what Yankees you guys could see having a secret side profession. And he gives an example that Luke Voigt is a lumberjack. So <laughs> Bumgarner competed as Mason Saunders in rodeos and the way he was outed is that rodeo posted pictures on their facebook page and everyone was like uh yeah that's madison Baumgartner." <laughs> where was the rodeo do we oh, know God, it's somewhere know. in is he from texas or somewhere he's he's from somewhere he's from yeah the, so the sticks I, first of all how do they not know it's madison Baumgartner? i guess it's harder to see like you're not as close like I just went to Monster Jam with Kemp, which is Do you is think that element. people I don't know who compete like. in rodeos watch Major League Baseball? Yes. I do not. I think baseball is transcendent across obscure sports. I don't think so. <laughs> Look, I don't know. The Well, I mean, he's a baseball player, and he is in a rodeo. Someone had to have known. Someone had to have known to get him in there. The uh, but no, maybe I, they were look, keeping it on the hush hush because they were like possible. this guy just he's here for the love of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants no glory. He just loves to compete in rodeos. They're like, we know he's here, but we want to keep it quiet because we respect that. Like he's just trying yeah. to be a guy. Ah, I see that. Yeah. I can see that. Um, they're like protecting their guy, protecting one of their own, doing what they love. Also, uh, maybe not great for injuries. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not great for injuries. I would say that that's. That's the type of report that we would hear about Giannis Cespedes, you know, and then, but Giannis falling, Cespedes falling off, gets uh, thrown off a horse fighting a wild boar. Right. Um, this one is, uh, is pretty good though. So yeah, there's, there's some other guys out there that do some things. So I came up with some, so maybe Giancarlo Stanton moonlights as a vigilante like Batman. And that's why he always has little knickknack injuries. I, I mean, I, but they're knickknack injuries that keep him out. Batman had knickknack injuries that he would just, you know, be a vigil vigilante through. <laughs> I guess. Uh, wouldn't it be I'm funny not giving Stan Jer that much credit. 
Wouldn't it be funny if Aaron Judge is a lawyer? It would be funny. I don't but think I'm he is. Sh- uh, I tried to think of the most boring profession for DJ LeMahieu, and I came up with accountant. I could see G- uh, See, I think that DJ LeMahieu could be a farmer. A farmer. Or I was thinking that he's actually like really introspective, and like he writes beautiful poetry. I could see that under a, under a pen name. Under a pen name. We Definitely doesn't Aaron want Hicks. credit for it. We all know Aaron Hicks is a golfer. He's a scratch golfer. Yeah. Uh, I could see Mike Ford as a mall Santa. <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. He might. He actually might be that. He might be his family's Santa. Like during the, for the family, you know, uh, yeah, Christmas. He comes in. Uncle 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 Mike yeah, comes in as Santa and every year. Dresses up as Santa. Yeah, yeah he's definitely. getting better at it every year too. We know Cece dressed up as Santa. Cece dresses up as a lot of things. Star oh, Wars. Cece. Did you see? Do you see he uh, he blew out his knee skiing? I saw. <laughs> I feel bad for him. Yeah. Tough, uh, tough. And, the, and the last one I could think of is Tyler Wade is a lifeguard at a country club where all he does is try and sleep with the rich women at the country club. Yeah, he's the Wendy Peppercorn, but the opposite uh, gender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all the all the all the girl, all the women, the the married women are are there. Like, oh, Tyler's on today. It's like yeah. in uh, in the, what's the show on on Netflix? Stranger Things. Yeah, that you're thinking of Stranger Things. Yeah, that. Yeah. It's basically that. Mm-hmm. You could also see him on the beach doing it too, though. You know, it's a little Baywatch action. Definitely. You got any others off the top of your head? Uh, those are good. I think the LeMahieu one, I definitely think he's a farmer. I could see him being a very, very good farmer. Well, you Lots know, Brett Gardner phenomenal is, crops. Brett Gardner is actually a farmer. I, yeah. Brett Gardner is, um, you know, I can't see Brett Gardner as a farmer, though. <laughs> he, he uh, I forget if it's North or South Carolina. I think he's in South he, Carolina. I think he lives on a farm I, in the offseason. I think he does. I think the word farm is also a little bit uh, gray. Because you can live on a what farm, you, but not have crops. What do you crops. consider a farm? Do you have to actually produce crops, yes. or do you just have to have like animals? So I, I think there's two different types of farms. I think you could have a farm with animals, or a farm with crops, or both. Or does a garden count? Um, no, I think that's gardening. So you have to actually sell crops. You could to be a you farmer. Could, you could. You could. Um, yeah, I'd say a farmer sells crops. Yes, and I think Lemayhu would be phenomenal at that. I could see LeMahieu doing the whole Field of Dreams thing. Because he's just so disciplined. Disciplined and, like, and, yeah, he's out there at, like... Regimented. He's definitely out there at 4.23 a.m. Because that's when the dew hits the leaves the greatest. And he's out there and he's making sure that, you know, he's oiled up at 3.30. Making sure everything's gas is in there. Doing all the, you know, oiled up the, the equipment, <laughs> okay. you son of a bitch. <laughs> then, then he's out there and making sure that these uh, things are, are good. I feel like this is just out of left field now, too. Well, we're going to move into out of left field. Find that out. And Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track. At the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. Yeah. So we got a couple for out of left field. Last week, I said I was going to jury duty. I did serve jury duty. My, I, I did my public service last Monday. Can you talk about did it? Not, yeah, I did not get selected for a trial, but listen to this. The two trials they were selecting jurors for, there's th- almost 300 of us in the room. Yeah. It was such a convoluted process. You show up, you have to fill out paperwork. I'm like, why can't you just mail me this paperwork? Because it's a bureaucratic process. It's going to take too long and it's going to have unnecessary actual physical paperwork. It's all, everything's offline. They've got five people working there when they should have 50 people working there. It is quite the process. You, anyway, yeah. the two trials that they were... Um, 
looking for jurors on. One of them was for six weeks. One of them was for seven weeks. Mm. I'm like, I'm not spending a month and a half on a trial. So I had to come up with every possible reason I could not serve on the jury. I came up with that I'm traveling, which we are traveling. Work is going to get in the way, a bunch of different things. But my plan was- Do they care about that? Care about what? The fact that work gets in the way? No, but they don't care. An excuse is not that your employer- could not find someone to cover your work. However, if it's going to hinder your career in any instance or something like that, that they will consider. That's an easy situation to, to I put know. together. Um, so my plan was if I got to the stage where attorneys were interviewing me to go on a, a jury and they said, is there any reason <laughs> you are not able to, to serve on this jury? I was going to say, Tourette's because I don't come into play. Yeah. I was going to say, because I don't want to. And I feel like that is such a straightforward answer where what are they going to say? I'm not, this is now a disgruntled juror. Did you Google this? Them, Did you come up with this on your own? I just came up in the moment off the top I of my head. I was like, want to. thinking like, about what shit. can I say that's not offensive to anyone? Cause I would, I'm, I would never say anything offensive, but I, I need to be honest. And that is honestly how I felt. I did not want to serve on a trial that was going to take seven weeks. That would be such a deterrence to my life. It would, I wouldn't have been able to go to spring training. I wouldn't have been able to. I'm going to Nashville for my, my uh, buddy's bachelor party that I'm planning. I wouldn't be able to go to that. Um, work. I, I, we got, I got like deadlines at, at, at my actual job that are coming up in the next seven weeks. Like It would have really hindered my life. So I would have been disgruntled. So I was just going to say, be honest. I do not want to be here. And then I think they would have let me go because they would have been like, well, he's going he's gonna to poison the other. He's going to poison which, like a- which one? You don't know which one you're going to poison. You're going to be there. Look, I think that is the dumbest answer I've ever heard in my life. No, Name one person that wants to be in jury duty. I, some <laughs> people volunteered. People volunteered for the seven-week trial. Imagine how miserable, how much of a miserable son of a bitch <laughs> You have to be how much misery your day-to-day life must you're be. You're a miserable son willingly, of a bitch. But I don't hate my daily life enough to go sit on a trial for seven weeks. There are people who hate their job so much. They're willing to go sit on a trial for seven weeks for $40 a day. $40 a day you know barely those, would cover transportation and lunch. A lot of those people are the same ones that are working at the court with five of them processing the paperwork. They work for a town. They work for a government. They work for a bureau, uh, bureaucracy that just is uh, painstaking. So I understand that to a point. The fact is that you come in there with the most millennial answer you could possibly have. I don't <laughs> want to. Well, they're like, yeah. guess what? I don't give a f- if you want to or not because it's your civic duty. And if you get chosen, you will. That's the thing. You will. You will but be I under an obligation. To. And I think that would have scared them. I would think that would have scared them. It's, it's because known. attorneys they are looking that. for people that are going to be honest. No. I was, I was, I, I didn't want to be there and they, they would have been scared okay. off of that. I really think so. Guess what? You were honest. I want the honest guy on the jury. Honestly, I want the guy that's going to tell me the real truth and, and tell me the reason why he's thinking things. So in fact, I think you might have landed yourself right on there. I wish the situation happened so we could actually know. But I would think that you might have actually landed yourself on a jury because you were honest and you were true to your feelings. And that's what they want. Is it not? Um, yeah, well, it the, is. Case, the cases, the cases were not even that exciting. They were asbestos cases. So I believe it's probably like some management company didn't do the proper asbestos cleaning. And there's like a bunch of disgruntled tenants probably suing them. It's probably something boring like that. 
But Leanne and I were joking that I would get put on a trial that I end up becoming obsessed with because I get obsessed. I can see over that things. too. Yeah. So like it's a murder trial, and then I just go into like a deep dark dark rabbit hole about like trying to find out like what really happened. I'm trying to get to the bottom of things, and that's it, it, that's gonna eventually be the trial I get put on. Maybe maybe when I'm like a retired man, I'll go on trials all day long. Who cares? But right now, I got a life. Yeah, I just don't think they care about that answer. I think they you saying it, you don't care. They're gonna be like, you know what? I don't care that you don't care <laughs> because because it's the law, bitch. Like you're coming on, no matter if you care or not. You're, that is like, there's nothing behind that answer. Oh man, I if honestly, if I'm like the lawyer, I would have I would have chosen you. Well, I didn't even get questioned because I guess I put enough reasons why I couldn't serve the jury um, on my questionnaire that they didn't even. I wonder how many attorneys are just spiteful enough to pick that guy because they say that answer. I would have to fight that <laughs> as an attorney. I would have to fight that because I would very, See, I think attorneys, I think attorneys in the, that situation are looking for slam dunk candidates to be on the jury. And I would not be a slam dunk candidate. Yeah, I, in that I, case. I, totally. They are. But at, at the same time, it's like, this is like a slam dunk case and I'm on the other side. I'm like, mm, maybe we do put that guy on there. Cause he's an asshole. <laughs> Seven weeks is an outrageous. Uh, that's just a, that's just like a, a mat or they, it's an estimation, right? It's an estimation, yeah. yeah. But yeah. you have to have your schedule clear for seven weeks, right? Yeah, no, it's 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 it's. Wild. I can see a week. I could even see two weeks. Seven weeks is outrageous. So that's well, they have to have people for those long trials. I mean, there are I long trials. It. I get it. Jury of Do your you peers, want baby. to. Do you want to leave it at that and save the next out of left field yeah, we'll for next it. week? Or? Yeah, because we've been okay, talking we'll... for an hour, almost two hours now. Almost two hours. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Hey, guys, thanks for the mailbag questions. There was Those were really fun um, this week, so keep them coming. Hopefully next week we're not talking about injuries, but who the hell knows? Any last words, Scott? Yeah, actually, I have um, – I'm starting a new job that I'll talk about a little bit more after this week. But the um, I'm going to be out in San Francisco – all week next week and on Wednesday, I think it's Wednesday or Tuesday. We're going to do next week, this week, starting this, this coming as week. Yeah, yeah, as this. you're listening to this, this week, I'm, in, I'm going to be in San Francisco all week long, pretty much like all day meetings every day. Um, but the, uh, we're going to be doing a happy hour um, at uh, on Tuesday night or Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday night, actually like happy hour somewhere in San Francisco. I think around where the giants play. I don't know San Francisco at all, but in that cool. main area, um, yeah, but that's if you're, a fun, that's a, that's a fun area. Yeah. So if you're interested in coming out for a beer and hanging out, um, you know, hit me on, uh, let's go Twitter. My DMS are open. Hit me on Twitter and, uh, and I'll let you know what bar we're going to. Cause I'm not sure. Exactly I believe where that's where they're building the new, uh, warriors arena. Is it as well? Yeah. I don't know much I about it. I've only been there one time and I don't remember uh, a ton. We stayed outside the city. I'm staying in the city this time. Uh, but we're going to be at, at this place for, for a happy hour with uh, a bunch of other people who live in San Francisco, so it should be fun. Watch out for the tenderloins. Oh, yeah? What do you mean? <laughs> I'll tell you after oh, we finish. I... That's going to be it for, for this episode. We will talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. 
We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.